0: It's been more than a year since the pandemic turned healthcare upside down. I'm Jody Lesh. Join me for Ahead in Health, where we explore the questions that matter most about the future of healthcare. Listen to Ahead in Health wherever you get your podcasts. Good afternoon, folks. My name is Martin Shields. I'm a wealth manager at Boucher Finance Group, and I'm going to be your host today for Let's Talk Money. It's great to be with you today on this Absolutely stunning bluebird day. I'm looking out the window here. I don't see a cloud in the sky. Now, it's not balmy, let's let's agree with that, but it is gorgeous. You gotta appreciate any day where you have the sun out like this in, in upstate New York. And I'm telling you folks, here's, here's the statement. It's all about the equipment, right? If you have the right gear, gloves, hats, uh, ski pants, whatever, you can go out in any conditions and be pretty warm. Maybe, you know, <laughs> you get some exposed skin, you might be a little chilly, but uh, you know, I'll take this gorgeous sunny day pretty much over anything else, certainly over rain. So hopefully you're out there doing something fun. Um, you know, for those of you who just listen to the show, know that it's uh, winter with my family, the three teenagers, my wife, we've been skating. We have an ice rink in our front yard, been doing that almost every other day, uh, downhill skiing at Gore uh which has been conditions have really been pretty amazing and uh we've been going over to Lapland Lake to go cross country skiing. Uh so if you will call in if you have questions regarding your financial planning or investment management concerns, but call in if you have any ideas for fellow listeners about what to do in this wintertime, right? Because you know, we're not going to really any stores, we're not going to restaurants or whatever. So you gotta do something to keep your sanity. And most of our kids' activities, sports, whatever, are really canceled, although my two daughters are running a track with Saratoga, which is kind of crazy given how cold it is. But uh, you gotta you gotta find something to do to be outdoors. So hopefully you've got something going on. And If you got any ideas, call in with those ideas. Love to share them with other folks. Um, but it's great to be here with you to answer any questions you have. Uh, and I again, encourage you to call in with those questions. You can reach me at 800 800- 825 5949 that's 800 825 5949 so a lot to discuss certainly with the markets uh we actually had the worst market worst week in the market since October uh so it's uh, been a lot of positive news over the last 3 months or so and so you know we've been talking about the show that uh you know when the markets really kind of get the momentum going higher they they're going to they're going to move that way it's you don't want to kind of get in the way, but at the same time, you also, you know, should be expecting some pullbacks. So to see the market kind of pull back a little bit this week is not surprising. You know, you could even pull back even more. Uh, you know, we've talked about this. It, within a year, the standard intra-year pullback or market decline is 14%. That's the average, 14%. So you know, we're down probably what 4% from the highs that we saw uh, a week or so ago. So, you know, we, to, to go down 14% would not be unusual at all or 10%. So that's just what you have to know what it means to be a, a, an a investor in the equity markets so is you can see that type of volatility. But we're going to go to the phone lines. We have uh, Mike from Troy. Mike, you there?
1: Yeah, I want to know uh, what's the best stock to invest in, what's the best bond to invest in, and what's the best money market mutual fund to invest in. I
2: just turned 62, I'm retired on Social Security, and that's what I want to know. What's the best dividend and interest you get on your retirement savings? So you got like 401Ks and, you know, higher and all that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to give you some uh, kind of broad ideas to think about, right? So, you know, when you talk about individual stocks or individual bonds, Especially as an, if you're going to buy these as yourself as an individual investor, there's a lot of risk and unknown with that. Even the, even the pros get it wrong a lot of times. So, you know, in your situation where you're retiring, you're in your 60s, what you want to have is a broadly diversified portfolio. So what I would recommend is that you buy uh, the S&P 500, right? That's the top 500 companies uh, in the U.S. The ticker for that is SPY is one of them. Uh, there's also another one uh, with Schwab. It's SCHB. That's the ticker SCHB. That actually has uh, exposure to really the top thousand companies in the U.S. SCHB it's really inexpensive, and so you think about it, you get exposure to the top thousand companies in the U.S. for that much money. It's it's you know pennies on the thousands of dollars. So. Uh, I'd buy that, I'd buy uh, VYM, which is a Vanguard uh, Dividend uh, Yielding Fund. Uh, and uh, you know you get some dividend income. And then I'd buy the uh, AG, A-G-G, that's the uh, Aggregate Bond Index. So that gives you exposure to the, the broad US bond index. So with um, if you wanna throw a little international in there, you could buy, uh, let's see here, um, XSOE, that's the Emerging Markets uh, ETF or EEM, so you got a little international exposure. But I just gave you four ETFs that would get you broad exposure to the uh, U.S. stock market and to the uh, international stock market and the bonds, and you're good to go.
1: Okay, thank you very much.
0: You got it. You take care now. Congratulations on retirement.
1: Thank you. Yep. Yep, thank you.
0: All righty. We're going to stay with the phone lines. We have uh, Keith from Athens. Keith, you there?
2: Hi. I'm 69. My wife is uh, 65, and we own three houses, free and clear, two in Greene County, one in Putnam County. Two of them are in her name. One of them's in my name. We're assuming that having them both in both our names would be to our advantage. And we're wondering how we should do that. Are we correct that it would be to our advantage to have them both in both our names or all well, three of them in both our names?
0: Yeah. The advantage is frankly that, you know, if something happens to one of you, you know, you it's the, the title is going to be taken care of. Right. So, cause otherwise you're going to have to transfer it over after, you know, one of you dies and, you know, it's just going to be a, kind of a pain in the neck in that process um, right. There's really no other, you know, the other thing is you could put it into, these are rental properties, right?
2: No, we, we,
0: you own them. Uh, one I mean, of them, the, these are, w- we
2: own them both. One of them storage, one of them studio, and one of them living.
0: Oh, okay. All right.
2: So we use all three of them. We use all gotcha. three of them.
0: Gotcha. Are you an artist? You says studio.
2: Yes. Yes. Both okay. of us are artists.
0: Oh, that's awesome. What kind of artwork?
2: I do paint portraits and my oh, wife is a weaver.
0: Awesome. Okay, great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I would put them uh, both, all three in your name, in, in combined names. And again, the main reason to do that is just that if something happened to one of you, it's just going to flow automatically to the other person. And, you know, when you obviously lose a spouse, you know, to, to deal with any estate issues is kind of problematic. Uh, and this would make just simplify it. There's really no other reason to, to do it, but, you know, that to me, that's reason enough to take care of it now.
2: Yeah, well, my <clears throat> last 15 months, my wife has been battling endometrial cancer, so that's what oh, brought boy. it through the fore. I'm sorry. So, uh, she's in good shape now. She's uh, in remission, but, you know, that we're both going to die eventually, so we want to avoid as many complications as possible. Uh, and, of course, either, either one of us could die today. So, sure. we're just trying to avoid complications in the future. And we're wondering, uh, should we find a particular kind of uh, attorney to change the deeds? Because all three deeds would have to be changed and it, it involves two different counties Putnam yeah, County you and know, Green County.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, in general, that's a pretty straightforward real estate transaction. So, you know, you can just you know Google. I mean, I, most attorneys, you know, probably in your neighborhood could. It could could handle that. That's that's a pretty straightforward transaction. So uh, but, you know, the other thing is you want to make sure I'm, I'm guessing you do, but just that all your estate documents are up to date. Right. The will, any power of attorney, healthcare care directives, uh, and also just make sure you check the beneficiaries on any of your uh, IRAs or life insurance policies or anything like that as well.
2: Yeah, we haven't done any of that. I'm sorry to say.
0: Okay. Well, that's all right. I mean, you still have time, but I would try to make sure you get that in place because if, if she were to decline in her health, you know, you want to make sure you have power of attorney, both healthcare and financial power of attorney. And you want to make Mm -hmm. sure that uh, medical directives that basically says what kind of care she wants or doesn't want is clearly outlined. And then, you know, the Mm -hmm. beneficiaries is very important because however those beneficiaries are set up for retirement plans. And again, uh, in insurance or whatever, that's how it's going to flow, right? That's how those assets are going to flow, even if it's not the her intentions or your intentions. So you want to make sure you get those up to date uh, sooner rather than later.
2: So you think any attorney could handle a real estate change is what yeah,
0: I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, you could Google, you know, uh, you know, real estate attorney, but, you know, again, it's pretty straightforward. So, and I know that, you know, in probably the counties that you're in, attorneys tend to uh, not specialize. They tend to be more general attorneys, and I'm I'm guessing that most attorneys could probably handle that for you. It's not a complex transaction, uh, but it's certainly mm-hmm. if you if you Google real estate attorney in your general area, that you know somebody could handle that without it costing you too much money.
2: Do you have a ballpark figure on what something like that might cost for the three properties? I,
0: I'm thinking, you know, a thousand bucks. Something, something like that, you know. Uh, yeah, not, all, not, not much money. Yeah, I would think so. Like, again, I, I, don't know exactly, okay. but I, it's not going to be, you know, talking, you know, much more than a thousand or two thousand dollars. And you know, what I would, you can, you might also, if they've got any background in it, you know, have them just have make, you know, either look at your estate documents or. Uh, you know, just uh, put together a set of state documents, you don't need a Cadillac version of this, right? You just need a, a pretty basic uh, will. And, and uh, as I mentioned, healthcare and financial power of attorney, whatever and, you know, this m- many attorneys in your area probably could do all that in one, you know, one shot, and it probably cost you, you know, two or $3,000. And
2: Does your firm do all that?
0: No, our firm does not. We're we're a wealth management firm. So um, our, our firm does not. I mean, if you want to call in uh, over the week, we can give you somebody, you know, in the more like the, the Albany capital region, you know, where most of the attorneys we know are going to be a little bit more, you know, around uh, Troy or Albany or Saratoga. But, you know, you, you could get an attorney that's more in your neck of the woods. But uh, if you need to, we could also, you know, get your attorney here. Uh, they could probably help you as well. So.
2: Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much.
0: Okay. It was good talking to you. Take care. I hope your wife does well.
2: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
0: Okay. Take care. Um, Yeah. Great question by by Keith. I mean, that's, I will, I tell you, it's, it's one of those things, this is true with so many of those things. It's like, it's not important until it's important. And, uh, you know, I, I I lost my father uh, in September and, uh, you know, I've been helping my mom, uh, handle all the estate issues and, and my dad, you know, left everything in great condition for, for my mom, but it's still a lot of stuff to take care of. And, you know, you gotta make sure that those estate documents are, are, are you know, set up. You know, if you have children, you gotta make sure you have guardianship uh, documents in place. Um, you gotta make sure that, you know, I said, talk about the financial power and uh, and the healthcare power of attorney are in place. Um, it's worth spending the time a couple thousand to three three thousand dollars to get it in place and it's about peace of mind and again it's never a problem until all of a sudden it is and i I've, I've seen we've seen such disasters with situations where somebody's uh, spouse dies and the remaining spouse is just struggling to, to kind of they don't know where, where everything is and you know how, where, where it's you know located and what advisors to talk with and there's accounts everywhere and Uh, You know, it's worthwhile, especially as you get older, or if one of you, uh, you or your spouse is dealing with a a health issue to get it in place sooner rather than later. It's just so important. Well, folks, we're going to go to commercial break, but come back and join us as we continue our discussion. You'll listen to Let's Talk Money on News Radio WGY 103.1 FM and 810 AM. Welcome back, folks. For those of you just joining us, my name is Martin Shields, and I'm your host today for Let's Talk Money. I'm sitting in for my colleague, Stephen Boucher, who's taking a well-deserved break, and it's great to be here with you to take any questions you may have regarding your financial planning or investment management concerns, and I encourage you to call in with those questions. You can reach me at 800-825-5949. That's 800-825-5949. So call in with any financial planning or investment management questions, or as I talked about on the top of the show, if you have any ideas for your fellow listeners on what to go and do outside uh, in this uh, winter of COVID. Uh, I talked about the things that I'm doing with my, our family, and uh, you know, I know a lot of folks are out snowshoeing and uh, tubing. Uh, you go tubing up at uh, West Mountain, and you know, just something to kind of get you outside and just make sure you're bundled up and you're good to go right? It's, uh, this is actually not a bad winter as far as you know being outside and, and doing some stuff. It's better than if it were rainy or just kind of nasty. So uh, I'll take snow and sunshine at, at any point in the winter to get out there and do things. So again, I encourage you to call in with any questions or ideas uh, for your fellow listeners at 800-825-5949. That's 800 800- Eight two five five nine four nine. So just real quickly, uh, I talk about the vaccine. You know, without a doubt, uh, our ability as an economy and you know society to get out of COVID is it's doing the right things, right? It's wearing the mask, maybe even a double mask these days. It's keeping your social distancing. It's limiting some of your indoor exposure. Um, you know, doing all the right things to protect everyone. But it's it's the vaccines that is the that's the way we get out of this is the vaccines and I've said it's amazing when you think about the modern medicine for those vaccines to get developed how quickly they did and you know relatively speaking to see how successful they are and J and J just came out with their uh, results uh, not as successful but for one shot in the U S it's 72 percent uh, effective which is pretty good for vaccines and. You know, it's uh, I, I think I've talked to people who've gotten the shots either their teachers or people over 65 uh, in healthcare. Uh, my mom just got her shot. And uh, so uh, the other day, and, you know, it's a momentous occasion, you know, it's, it's historic. And uh, I know that the day that I'll get my shot or our kids that we get a shot with our kids, it's going to be something that we'll remember. And, you know, it's about getting back to normal. So it just really thank all those first of all essential workers out there doing what they're doing and and uh also to you know the folks that uh, created and are distributing the the vaccine it's just um, it's something we should be thankful for and, and appreciative that we're uh able to do that and receive those shots so but let's uh let's go back to our discussion on the markets and f- some financial planning uh, concepts to be aware of um you know, we have a on our website uh, boucherfinancial.com. We have a blog, and uh, the blog we usually put something out there on a weekly basis. And one the blog that I just wrote recently was about uh, refinancing. And you know, rates have kind of popped up a little bit from where they were a week or two ago, but they still at are at historic levels uh, as far as how low they are. And you know, I would encourage you to look at your rates, uh, your your mortgage rates. And if you're, I would say the threshold is about a percentage uh, decline uh, from where you are. So let's say your current mortgage is at, um, you know, 4.2, and you could bring the, your uh, your mortgage down to under three or around three uh, by refinancing. At that level, about a percent decline in what your mortgage rate would be. Uh, the numbers make sense to if there's any closing cost and. Whatever the break-even period would be to, to refinance, and again, it's one thing if you're, you know, if you're five years out, it doesn't really make sense to to re, refinance. But, you know, if you're more than 15 or 20 years out, it it does. And you know, it really is, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where when you look at mortgages and how cheap they are, uh, that if you can have a mortgage that is you know a 15-year term that's under three percent. I mean, it really is. It changes the dynamic by which you make decisions. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when in, mortgage and interest rates were 5, 6, 7%, which really wasn't that long ago, uh, in general, you wanted to pay them off. I mean, that's, you know, you, you used to be able to deduct your mortgage interest, and it was still a good debt to have because you're uh, putting money into where you're living in a capital asset that over time would appreciate. But relatively speaking, if you could pay off your mortgage, that would not be a bad thing because what you were doing is you were saving yourself five or 6%. And when you're making those decisions, what you wanna be looking at is what is the alternative for those dollars, right? So either you pay off the debt that reduces your mortgage interest rate five or 6%, or you invest it, let's say, in a diversified portfolio that maybe over time, you you could get more than five or 6%, but it's not a given, right? But now that equation is, All right now your your mortgage interest rate is three percent um so you either take extra dollars and you pay that off your three percent mortgage or you take those extra dollars and you invest them now it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be paying off your mortgage you should still be paying off your, your mortgage over over time but it does mean that if you have extra dollars and you're deciding whether to pay down your mortgage or to go ahead and invest it in a diversified portfolio then what you have the equation you have to look at is can you make more in a diversified portfolio let's say over 15 years or should you be paying down your 3% mortgage and I would argue that you know over 15 years I think you could earn more than 3% annually um, in the markets and that's your threshold uh, performance rate that you need to need to get so really the kind of the kind of decision-making process has has changed with uh, whether you pay down your mortgage or not and even a little bit whether you hold one into retirement now I still think it's always beneficial to pay off your mortgage before you go to retirement it's a you know fixed cost that would be off your plate you don't have to worry about it so I do think it's a good thing to do but you know if there are some folks that are just not in a position to do that for whatever reason and, you know, if you're in a position where you're not, what I would say is take out a 30-year mortgage and just assume that you're going to have it for the rest of your retirement and just make it part of your cash flow. And again, I'm not advocating that you have a mortgage in retirement. You really want to try to reduce any potential costs that you have so that, you know, what you want to have in retirement is mostly variable cost, right? So, you know, costs that if you want to travel, you can, and assuming that, you know, your portfolio is doing well or whatever, then it's, You know, it's you can do that, but you want to try to reduce some of your fixed costs. So just something to consider as you're making those decisions. And, you know, I encourage you to kind of go on to our blog and look at it. Um, The other thing I want to bring to the attention uh, of any listeners is we always do our state of the economy presentations where we outline our thoughts for the markets and the economy for the year for our clients. We're doing a a live streaming event this year. We usually do it uh, with a dinner at uh, either franklin plaza or saratoga national we actually had a lunch last year at the the loft uh in troy which was fantastic great venue uh but this year you know we can't do that so we're going to be doing a live streaming event from uh universal preservation hall i'm actually looking out my window uh at it right now and uh, it's the it's the new venue well it's not new it's the newly renovated venue in saratoga springs uh for for concerts and It's going to be great. It's, uh, you know, it's not being used right now, obviously, because there's really no concerts, but uh, it's great to be able to use it for our presentation. And we'll be live streaming it to, well, it looks like we'll have hundreds of our clients uh, listening and watching it. And it's great just to be able to connect with them. I mean, it's, uh, i tell you, probably one of the hardest things right now is not being able to meet with our clients in person, which we love to do. But we also have a, uh, this would be our third year doing a state of the at the economy presentation for the Rensselaer Chamber of Commerce. Now now that presentation is a little bit more uh, focused on small businesses and employees and what you should be doing uh, as an employee. An employee. Um, so, you know, it's it's great to, to listen to and, and give you some perspective and you can sign up for that. So that is, if you go to RenscoChamber.com and again, it's uh, also this Wednesday, uh, at 1 p.m. is the webinar. So I would encourage you, if you can, to sign up for that. If you're not a client of ours and you want to kind of get some perspective of what our thoughts are for the economy and the markets, I think it's going to be, you know, really beneficial. So uh, just some things to consider as you're trying to kind of plan for your year and, you know, what you want to do from a financial planning or investment management perspective and, you know, kind of give yourself some guidance to to do the right thing and, uh make sure that you're in the right spot that's what you need to be doing so we're going to go to commercial break but come back and join us as we continue in discussion you're listening to let's talk money on news radio wgy 103.1 fm and 8:10 am welcome back folks for those of you joining us my name is martin shields and i'm your host today for let's talk money i'm giving my colleague Stephen boucher a, a break and it's well deserved but it's great to be here with you to answer any questions you may have. And you can reach me at 800-825-5949. That's 800-825-5949. So call in with any questions that you may have. So one of the things that we wanna talk about, I'm gonna have my my colleague, Paolo LaPietro join us.
2: This Friday. Critics are calling A Quiet Place Part two phenomenal. This is the experience theaters were made for. A Quiet Place,
1: rated PG-13, this Friday.
0: Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm
1: on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation.
2: Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices.
0: Total Wine and more. Is, um, you know, lots of headlines this week with a number of stocks, but the one that really stands out is uh, GameStop. And what was going on with GameStop and Reddit and some of the big hedge funds? Uh, it was kind of a battle that was going on, and the big hedge funds lost. And uh, you have a stock that was probably potentially close to going to bankruptcy, now trading at uh, well over three hundred dollars a share. So. Uh, you know, we want to kind of shed some light, because we get some questions from clients on, you know, what does this mean to them, and should they put money into some of these stocks? And so we want to just kind of talk a, a little bit about that. And again, I have Paulo
1: La Pietro. Hey, Paulo, are you there? I'm here, Martin. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's great,
0: great to have you. So we were talking about this yesterday, Paulo, and really just what a unique situation it is. You know, it's kind of you always have uh it's kind of like the david versus goliath as far as power over markets and you know really kind of a interesting thing but kind of a complex situation as well but you know you're you're reading a lot about it in the papers and it's a lot of the headlines and why don't you just share a little bit from your perspective of what's going on and what people should be aware of
1: yeah no my pleasure and um you know i feel like to really understand the situation, you kind of need to understand what short selling is. So I think this is kind of a good start to the story. And essentially what short selling is, is when an institution, a hedge fund, an individual investor, whatever the case may be, believes a company is overvalued or overpriced and, and thinks that the share price is going to go down in the near future. So they, they implement a strategy called short selling. And short selling is when somebody borrows shares of a company and sells those shares instantly in in hopes that the share price will drop. So then they can buy the shares back at a a much lower price to return the shares to the lender while keeping the difference. Um, You know, everything kind of makes more sense with an example. So say I wanted to short a company A, and that company is currently trading at $50 a share. I would borrow a share of company A and instantly sell it for $50. So, say a few weeks later, that company's share price drops to $30 a share. So, I buy it back at that price and return it to the original lender. Well, I just made $20, right? $50 is what I originally borrowed and sold it for, and $30 is what I bought it back at and returned it for. So, the difference is my profit 50 minus 30, $20 profit. The problem with short selling is the amount of risk you take on it's It's the riskiest move you can make when trading stocks. remember you're 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 borrowing these shares and selling them instantly. So what happens when the share price goes up and set down well your you, your risk exposure is unlimited there's yeah. There's no limit to how high the price per share can go. The only way you can stop the losses is by buying back the shares at a much higher price. So back to my previous example of $50 a share, the share price went up instead of down and went up to say $75 a share. And, you know, you, you would have lost $25, you know, you, you borrowed up $50 and sold it and, and it actually ended up going up to $75. You lose out on, on $25. So taking a look at GameStop, what happened was a few hedge, hedge funds were, were shorting GameStop, which is a brick and mortar game store that is slowly starting to be phased out since people can now buy games online, which the move makes total sense. And this online forum called Wall Street Bets on Reddit found out about these large short positions on GameStop from hedge funds and, and thought that if they could come together collectively and start purchasing shares of GameStop, then they could start inflating the price and and put these hedge funds in a really tough position. But what happened next, Marty, I, I, I honestly don't think anyone could have predicted. I mean, this movement has gained so much traction that the share price exploded and it forced these hedge funds to cover their losses by buying back their shorted shares by a much, much higher price. And this is what we call a short squeeze. It's, it's almost like a snowball effect, right? The, the share prices are rising, and all of these short sellers need to cover their losses, so they have to buy back at a much, much higher price. And this just perpetuates the share's price to go higher and higher, and this is exactly what we saw with GameStop.
0: So you have these folks that kind of all come together, put the money that the GameStop's going to go higher, put the short squeeze on the big hedge fund, and then didn't that hedge fund have to go out and get other hedge funds to back them
1: And they got caught up in the short squeeze as well. Is that right? Exactly. So as I mentioned before, you need to cover your losses if you end up shorting a company, right? Because the the losses are, are, they're unlimited potentially, right? You know, the share price could go up to $2,000 a share or more. So what happened was, you know, the original hedge fund was taking on so much liability that they called in other hedge funds that, Hey, we need you to help us cover our, you know, huge liability and, so these other hedge funds came in thinking that if they shorted this enough, they could bring down the price. But they had no idea the momentum that was happening with this movement. And they ended up, you know, the share price continued to go up, and they ended up becoming, you know, going into a liability as well. And, and then, again, they had to cover their losses, just squeezing the stock even more and, again, making the share price go higher and higher. Yeah, you know, you
0: think about it, you always hear how the big guy wins, right? You know, whether it's the, the financial crisis or whatever, it's always the big institutional investors that have some inside track that uh, they can win, whereas the Main Street investor doesn't. And this is just the opposite, right? It's it's the Main Street investor, this, you know, folks that, you know, have some money, but not that, that you know, institutional size of money. And in this case, uh, it, it was the institutional uh, investors that lost big. And uh, these folks that through Reddit, uh, you know, kind of push the price up and and have done well. But the question is, how? What happens next?
1: And, and that is a great question. And and you know, hedge funds have been doing this since the dawn of the stock market. Right? They they've been using short selling as a way to make profits. And and they've been. Uh, very successful in doing this, but I think in this new day and age, where you know you have the internet and you have these online online forums where people can come together, and on top of that, you know the elimination of barriers to entry to to getting invested. You know, with no fees to you know open up a brokerage accounts and no trading fees. You know, there's there's so much you know potential for these you know the the, the main investors the the Joe Schmoes, the people that open up and, and have, you know, only $100 in their account to now find out where these massive hedge funds have short positions and know that they could come together and potentially squeeze these um, hedge funds. This is a huge liability. And I think going forward, uh, these hedge funds really need to revise and rethink how large of a short position they could take on companies because they could really, as, you know, this last week has showed us, they, they could really be exposed. But
0: now, should people be buying into GameStop now? I mean, is this thing going to keep going up, or what's the, what's the risk that exists with GameStop?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm being fully honest, GameStop, you know, and trading GameStop right now is nothing short of gambling. I mean, uh, you, you might, as well, might as well go to Rivers Casino and put 100 on black. I feel like that's the, the same odds as you would get, you know, especially with, with such inflated prices, the last thing you want to do is buy into GameStop, which I think it closed at right around three hundred and twenty-five dollars a share on Friday. The last thing you want to do is buy at that price level and come to find out on Monday everybody's selling and, and the you know the share price comes back down to reality and, and just down to fifty dollars. You could really be dealing with a huge liability um, on your hands. So I, I would definitely not recommend any anybody purchasing at you know at these levels
0: yeah interesting inter- interesting well uh, paul I, I appreciate you explaining that i mean it's it is a complex kind of sort as, as the instruments and the shorting and how that all came came to play i think you did a good job breaking it down for folks and uh i would agree i mean I, you know any of these companies you know really what it comes down to when you buy a company the question you should be asking yourself is is does this company have good long-term growth opportunities for cash flow and for profits and as you mentioned you know, GameStop is in a a environment with a brick and mortar store where you can buy things online where it's not in a great spot, right? So the future of the company is not great. But from a speculative perspective, uh, you know, it's a kind of a interesting story of the small guy beating the big institutional investor, but not really something that uh, from a long term investment perspective makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we are always in the camp of long term investors and, and and investing, you know, smart and investing smart and, and it's all based on, you know, looking underneath the hood and understanding, you know, the price earnings ratios and, and understanding of the fundamentally the company is a good investment and you know, just at tease absolutely astronomical, you know, levels for GameStop and some of the other ones too that have come to light mm-hmm. like amc and blackberry and, and a lot of other ones it just nokia it would, yeah. the, the Nokia exactly the prudent decision would be to to stay away and and just watch you know the the craziness unfold yeah yeah no that makes sense it makes sense
0: well i appreciate your time here paul and uh you hopping on and uh, explain that
1: of course marty and thank you for having me on and uh stay warm this weekend it is definitely chilly out there <laughs> I will.
0: I will. We're going to be going out skiing tomorrow, so we'll be bundled up. But you uh, you enjoy your weekend. All right. You as well. Thanks, Marty. All right. Take care. Yeah, it's uh, interesting stories. Uh, you know, it's a power to the people kind of situation. Uh, but definitely from a long-term investor perspective, uh, it's not there. It's That is purely speculative. Uh, and like Paula said, you might as well just go down. If you're going to put money in this, something like that, you might as well go down to. Rivers Casino and put it on black or red in the roulette table. So uh, we're going to go to the phone lines. Uh, we're going to Tim. Are you still there?
2: Tim from Troy. Uh, we're still here.
0: Okay. How you doing?
2: Okay. Thanks for taking my call, Marty.
0: Yeah. No problem. I what have a,
2: I have a two part question. First okay. part is who. The second part is how uh, to convert an IRA to a Roth IRA.
0: Okay. So the you said the first part is who is that? What you said
2: is who 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 can do it?
0: Yeah, um, I have, anybody you know, can do it. A- I'm re- re- I'm retired.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm Go retired right going. now, but uh, my daughter, uh, who is building up uh, a large IRA thing, who, and is still working, so I'm not sure if I can do it or only she can do it or both can do it.
0: Yeah, anybody uh, can convert uh, a traditional IRA. To a Roth IRA, there's no limitations on that, uh, so she could do it, you could do it. I mean, you, you do it with your own IRA, and you know the, what you the considerations you need to look at are what first of all what is your income for the year, right? So the higher your income is, the less likely you're going to want to do it because, as you convert it, that conversion is going to require you to pay uh, ordinary income tax on that whatever is converted. Right, so if you convert fifty thousand dollars, you're going to be adding fifty thousand dollars to your income, and if you're in a high income bracket, well, that's going to be you're going to pay a lot of money on that, right? Uh, So the ideal situation is let's just say with your daughter, you know, when somebody's kind of between jobs or there's a situation in a year where your income's a lot lower, uh, then it can make sense to convert it. Now, now the other thing to consider is time. The longer you have to let that money grow in the Roth, the more it makes sense to convert it. Uh, I think it was a, a week or, or a few weeks ago, I had somebody on asking it to, if they should convert it, and the woman was in her 80s. Well, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to convert a, a a traditional IRA into a Roth when you're only, you know, maybe, you know, she might have it grow for another 10 or 15 years. Whereas the younger you are, the, those dollars will grow tax-free for a longer period of time. So again, you're going to be wanting looking at what is your current tax environment, uh, and are you in a year where it might be a little bit lower, uh, and then also uh, you know what what's the time horizon. Now last year there was it was a little bit not a bad time to convert it because many folks would have had an RMD, or required minimum distribution for their IRA, and that was waived mm-hmm. by uh, so you know you could just you could have converted your your RMD into a Roth, and it would have been the same from a tax perspective. Uh, The other thing is, you know, it can make sense to convert when the market's down, right? So you think about it, when the market was down like it was in March of last year, if you converted, you know, $10,000, well, if you converted it and then you turn around right away and you reinvested it, you're gonna get all that potential growth in your Roth, uh, which is tax-free. So, uh, you know, it, it makes sense to also convert it when the market's down. Uh, that's a, a smarter time to do it. Okay. Does that make sense? Can an RMD be put? Yes, but can an RMD be put into a Roth? Great question. Great question. And the answer is no, it cannot. You cannot convert a RMD. Uh, it's got, if you're going to, if you have an RMD, if you're a requirement distribution, you're going to have, and you want to do a conversion as well, you're going to have to do an amount greater. Uh, than, than that amount. And the other thing is you cannot convert uh, a uh, money coming out of an inherited IRA. It has to be your IRA and
1: not an inherited IRA. Yep. Okay. okay. <clears throat> All right. Understand. Thank you. Okay, good. that out for me. Right. You got it. Have a good day.
0: Okay, take, take care, care. of Tim.
1: the day tomorrow.
0: Oh, thanks. Hopefully the, it won't be too windy up on the mountain. That's that, The wind is what kills you. It's, it's not so much the temperature but the wind. So... All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to go back to the phone lines. Uh, we have Mary from East Greenbush. Mary, are you there?
2: Hello. Um, Hi. I suggest how you doing? people go and snowshoe when it's nice out.
0: Where do you go? Do you snowshoe?
2: Um, in my yard. But by the time I get <laughs> nice. done shoveling my two stairways, I don't have enough energy to snowshoe. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I tell you, it, shoveling is such 11. a workout. It's you know, it really is right there. You don't need to go to the gym where you're, if you're shoveling snow, depending on how much snow you get. But it's it's a great workout too. So, right.
2: Um, I have a TSA that's worth about two hundred thousand dollars, and okay. I have a house that I need to sell in the near future. That I'm hoping I'll get two hundred thousand dollars out of. I'm just wondering what would be the best way me, for me to invest that money from the house.
0: Yeah. So, you know, is this money that you're going to be taking distributions from, or you just more long-term investment?
2: Um, pretty much for a long-term investment. Okay. Uh,
0: are you still working? No. Okay. So, you know, really, but I know when
2: you I do have to take a distribution.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So. The... If you have any money, if, if the, the RMD this year got pushed or last year got pushed to age 72. So it's, you know, 72 is when you need to start taking your requirement of distributions. But for the sale of the house right. the proceeds from that, you know, the best thing to do is just put it into a taxable brokerage account. Uh, you know, you can open up one at Schwab or at Fidelity um, and, you know, just invest it in a diversified portfolio. So I mentioned to one of the earlier callers, uh, I think it was uh, Mike from Troy that, you know i mentioned a number of etfs exchange trade of funds to invest in uh were you listening then or not yes okay so i don't know if you yes, have those one. but i i would do like a 60 40 portfolio so 60 percent in equity and then you know about 40 percent in um in, in uh the ag or, or bonds or you could do a 70 30 or something like that uh so you know you've got a little bit of diversification and uh that way too you know, if you needed money, let's say two years from now and the markets were down, you still have, you know, 30 percent of the portfolio that actually could be up. I mean, the ag might actually go up if if there's a you know crisis situation and the markets are down uh, or, you know, hopefully we'll, it won't be the case. Hopefully the markets will be up and you've got, you know, 60 to 70 percent of your investment that will be higher that you can utilize. So that's what I would do is just a diversified portfolio in low cost uh, ETFs. OK, all
2: righty. Thank okay. you very much.
0: Okay, Mary, you take care now.
2: Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Yeah, great question just as far as, um, you know, making sure. I think the big thing is, you know, we talked about with Paolo regarding the GameStop. You know, that that is not – that's not investing. That's speculating, right? That's, you know, again, that's buying something that you don't have – I have no idea what, you know, how you justify a price of – 300 some dollars a share for a company that could be going to bankruptcy right so but long-term investing is about broad diversification it's about trying to keep your expenses low with your investments and um it's about having the right time horizon and you know if you do that you're going to be successful uh from a long-term perspective uh you know short term you may not make as much money as if you happen to get the GameStop but trust me uh you know I I, one of the worst things that can happen for a new investor is to have a little bit of success in you know buying some individual stocks or you know doing some shorting of stocks or stuff like that because you know if you get some success you think you're you're a trading pro and uh you know right now there's definitely some momentum with certain stocks that are it's kind of making everybody look good but you know it's easy for that to change and you know next thing you know uh you maybe have some real money tied up in it and uh if it goes the wrong way it's gonna it's gonna hurt so you don't want to make sure that doesn't happen if you can avoid it uh you know if possible uh there was another question that came while we were off the air uh and it was regarding ave maria mutual funds um and it came from teresa so uh ave maria they're they're mutual funds that are kind of based on catholic values i'm not that familiar with them um, uh, but you know i am familiar enough to know that that's how they're structured so uh, you know what i would suggest is if you're going to invest in something like that first of all make sure that they, those values line up with your values right so you're you know, there's a there's a really a, a big trend these days uh into value-based investing and and you, you know the, the thing you have to remember is that could be a lot of different things to different people so whatever you, if you go that lines you know down those routes i mean I'm Catholic. I know that you could have a Catholic that has one set of beliefs and another Catholic that has a different set of beliefs, and so you got to make sure that those beliefs that Ave Maria is using uh, line up with what yours are. Uh, what I will tell you is just you know kind of a quick research on them. You know the performance seems to be uh, less than stellar uh, with them, and you know I will tell you that's not always the case with value-based investing. You can actually you know see a number of different funds that have done quite well relative to their peer group. So it's not a given that they're gonna do poorly. But it, you know, I would say for the Ave Maria funds, you know, relatively speaking, what I'm seeing is is not stellar performance. So uh, you know again if if it meant though that you're you're investing in, and your the investing's lining up with your values, then go ahead and do it. But you gotta make sure that you're willing to kind of maybe give up some potential return uh in in order to invest with your values right so that's just depends on what's more important to you uh and you know for a lot of folks and we're seeing it these days you know a lot of people are like saying hey listen I want to earn you know a return on my money but I don't want to be investing things that I do not believe in and uh, again that spectrum of beliefs is can be huge uh you know there's a lot of different niches to that so uh, if you're, if you're going to go uh, and you know, kind of invest in kind of values-based investing, know what those values are that that fund is, is, is you know, going to hold up. And uh, you know, we see more and more clients asking for that. You know, they want to make sure that their portfolio you know, maybe either doesn't have something or does have something too. It can go either way, right? You can exclude uh, certain companies and areas, or you, you can make sure that you include those areas depending on, on what you're looking for. So, uh, you know, it's a very kind of complex but, uh, you know, interesting area of investing uh, as we move forward. But before we wrap up, again, just want to remind folks that if you want, uh, you're not a client of ours, you won't be able to uh, listen to our streaming state of the economy, which is going to be this Wednesday evening uh, from UPH in Saratoga, uh, that you can sign up for the Rensco Chamber, Rensselaer Chamber of Commerce, our third annual. State of the Economy presentation. And again, it's a little bit more focused on some of the local uh, economic data. And uh, it's this year it's gonna be more of a panel discussion, but uh, you might find it very interesting. So you can do that and it's free actually to sign up. Uh, just go to Renscochamber.com and uh, sign up for it. And again, it's uh, this Wednesday at 1 p.m. And it's uh, gonna be a, a Zoom type of call. And if you have any questions, you'll be able to call in with those questions and and get some guidance. So, folks, uh, again, I hope that you have a great weekend out there, whether it's, uh, it's snowshoeing or whether it's um, skiing or cross-country skiing. But you know, one thing I would say is just make sure you appreciate uh, whatever it is that you have in your life. Right? You know, I said that with you know this uh, COVID-19. Uh, when we get back to normal, we'll appreciate it tremendously. But, you know, hopefully, you know, you're uh, if you've got a roof over your head, you got food on the table, and you've got your family, then, then life is good. And uh, just appreciate that uh, for what it is. And, uh, you know, uh, appreciate your family and friends. And, and just do the right things from a COVID perspective to, to protect one another while you can. Well, it's been great to be here with for this last hour. And uh, come back next week as Steve will be hosting. And actually, I'm going to be doing the show tomorrow at 8. So if you want to come back then, that'd be great. Take care now.